This message is brought to you by 12 Song Church. Please enjoy worship as Pastor Kevin Myers delivers the teaching entitled Father's Day. This is the third message in the Beach Chair Theology series. Please enjoy. This is what you're looking for right here, isn't it? Welcome to 12 Stone Summer. Well, we're in the third week of beach chair theology, as if Jesus grabs a beach chair with us, hangs out, and, and, and offers us practical theology. What could Jesus teach us today? Well, this is Father's Day. It's all about the dads, so the teaching will be directed to the dads, but really, it'll be helpful to all men and, and certainly beneficial to all of us, because the principles apply to everyone, as you will see. But this is what you're looking for this summer, isn't it? Oh, man, you want to get out on the beach and enjoy the big sky and the, the massive ocean, the warmth of the sun, enjoy your family, some friends. And what you do, you're just all the more in awe of God's creation. By the way, have you read that story at all lately? Because if you do, there's something notable in there you might have missed. So everybody grab their Bibles. Let's, let's, let's take a look over in Genesis chapter 2. Your worship center Bible's right underneath your chair. And if you have a, uh, the worship center Bible, it's on page 2, Genesis chapter 2, mobile device, Genesis chapter 2, looking at verse 1. Let, let's check this out together. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing God finished the work he had been doing. The work. The what, everybody? Work. One more time, I couldn't hear you. The what? Work. The work God had been doing, he just finished. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested. You see work, you see rested. He rested from all the work of creating that he had done. See, when when God created, he introduced us to something rather notable, and that is different speeds in life. Different speeds. Say it with me. Different what, everybody? Speeds. Different speeds in life. Have you ever thought about that? There are different speeds in life. Have you ever thought about managing your life according to the speeds in life? Let's keep looking at it. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Turn over to the right. We're going over to page 182 over in the book of Deuteronomy. Now Moses is writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the nation of Israel. He's talking to dads. He's talking to moms and dads. He's telling them as parents it matters how you pour into your kids. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6 page 182. Look at verse 4. Hear O Israel the Lord our God. The Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. In other words, love God with everything in you so that God's first. So God's what? First. I mean, love God more than yourself. Love God more than your spouse. Love God more than your kids. Love God more than your career. Love God more than your cash, more than money, more than achievement, more than accomplishment. I mean, love God more than your stuff. Love God more than popularity, fame, and and the applause of people. Love God so deeply first that you have no other love to compare so that all that's in you is in love with God. And now take that. Take that deep-seated, soul-first love and impress it upon your children. 
That's what he says. Look on in verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. There it is. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Hang on. That's interesting. That's like another speed, isn't it? Like when you sit at home. When you walk along the road. There's another speed. When you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. In other words, you're going to do life at all different speeds, know the speeds of life, and make sure that you're transferring this full love of God to your kids at all the different speeds of life. How interesting. See, when God created all things, like the beauty of the beach and what we enjoy, there's supposed to be an appreciation for him. It comes from creation and all of his goodness, but then it gets transferred. And you do this normally. I think that's what Paul was meaning when he wrote in Romans chapter 12. Check this out. We'll put it on the screen. He said, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. See, the normal pace The various gears and speeds of life, and you need more than one gear, are the very places where you navigate this love of God transferred to normal life to your kids, particularly for dads. In fact, this thinking got stirred many years ago by a pastor that, 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 that brought me to almost a, a challenge. It was really transforming to me. It was transforming to the way that I, I do life as a person and as a dad. And it, it became a challenge. I, I found myself challenged to lead my family through this three speeds for a healthy family. I think there's three speeds for a healthy family. And so I'm going to take it to the board. Y'all got your teaching notes. So grab your teaching notes. You have a little segment to fit in this drawing. Good luck because I'm using the whole board. (laughs) You got to get this in your notes. So let's talk about, I I think there are three speeds of life. And so so I want to, I want to sort of lay out the three speeds of life for a healthy family. So I'll just put a speed up here. And the first is the speed of life. Say it with me. The speed of what? Life. And, and really the speed of life is at the pace or the activity of a run. I, I think immediately when I say, oh, I, I already get it. it life on the run. But, but what, the, what, what you're really accomplishing is get stuff done. I mean, this right here, this is the doing of life. And we, we all, it's all kind of intuitive. We get it. We all live at that face and pace. In fact, really the, the whole point here is, is that there, there, there is a slowdown that has to occur because you've got to have more than one gear. And there's another speed and it's the speed of love. Say it with me. It's the speed of what? So you've got to slow down from the speed of life to the speed of love. The speed of love is, is really at the pace of a walk. Put it in your notes. See, relationships need a slower speed. You can't love on the run, as it were. Dads, this really means you emotionally engage your kids. This right here is, is, is the heart, connecting with the heart. If, this is the feeling side, if you will. If, if the speed of life is the doing, then the speed of love is the feeling. And there's a third, it's the speed of learn. Say it with me. It's the speed of what? Sure. 
In fact, you got to slow down. You got to slow down to sit down. See, the pace is not now you, you sit. Because there are some things that can only happen when you sit down. You slow down enough. See, the, what you're trying to accomplish here is help your kids get rooted in the truth. And that can only be done at a certain pace. This, this is really the thinking. This is where you're, you're, you're teaching your kids how to think, and it matters. See, the speed of life is the doing. The speed of love is the feeling. The speed of learn is the thinking. And they have three distinct paces. Do life out of the speeds, the three speeds for a healthy family. Now, I want to unpack these one at a time for the remainder of our moments together. But, but honestly, I think we should do a quick sidebar. I'll have them put it on the screen, but I want a thought, and then we'll come back to the speeds. And here's the thought. Get your definition. Get your definition of manhood from God, not this culture. Man, if we could just have a side moment. Get your definition of manhood from God, not this culture. See, we live in a culture that lampoons men and dads. I don't talk about this much from the stage, but let's just confess it. The dads are often the butt end joke in advertisements and TV in movies. It's kind of like, thank God that, that there's kids and wives to rescue us from our moronic selves. We're just little boys in big bodies. And so men are made to look like fools and it plays out. No, we're here to learn so much from our children. By the way, if you want to destroy a nation, you're going to have to destroy the family because the family is the strength of a nation. And one of the primary ways you destroy the family is you undo manhood. It's happening in our culture. Pay attention to what's going on. Which means this, men, live up to God's calling. Don't live down to the culture's definitions. Live up to God's calling. And, and if I were to try and give you a definition, I don't have one specifically I want to give you. I really more want to have you kind of think about, well, what can we learn from Scripture? And I want to use something you wouldn't usually use. I, I want to draw from 1 Timothy chapter 3, where Paul's writing to Timothy and saying, well, when you find spiritual leadership that, 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 that really needs to give oversight to the church, look for these qualities in men. And I think, you know what? This should be inspiring to all us. You should almost live up to, you should be drawn to, it wasn't written specifically for all men, and yet I think it's inspiring, if not the, the roots of definition of manhood. So let's put it on the screen. Let me just read through it with you. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with the outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. 
You know, what we just read is, a, is, is an invitation for men to live up to some things God's called us to. At the core of it is being self-led. I, I think at the core of a definition of manhood is being self-led. By God's grace, do all you can to live above reproach. Be faithful to your wife. Not given to drunkenness. Not given to greed. Man, you understand what matters in life. You're not, you're not caught up in loving and trivialized by the material stuff. You're, you're, your aim is higher. You see the bigger picture in life. You live for bigger things. You have self-control. Lead yourself. Rise up to that. And then lead your family well. And how do you lead family well? Well, then I think that's what these three speeds help us with. So let's do them together. Number one, the speed of life. Say it with me. The speed of what? The speed of life. Let's talk about it. We were created to run. Come on now, listen. We were created to run. Here's what I mean. We were created to get stuff done. We were created for work, all of us. We were created to do work. It's God's design. Have you ever thought about this? I read it already for you. Have you ever thought about the fact that God went to work? I mean, that's what it said. The Bible begins, the first thing it tells us is God went to what? God went to work. I mean, we think of, oh, work is a curse. I got to get out from under work. I got to get away from work. No. No, you were created for it. You were designed to get stuff done. God, listen, God still works. God gets stuff done. He's still sustaining it all. July 4th weekend, we're going to pick up this conversation. In fact, we're wrapping up this beach chair theology in this three weeks, and then we're going to hit another three-week segment of the nine, the Big C Church, and as a part of that, you're going to love, love, love what that series does. But dads, teach your kids the value of a good work ethic. Come on. It's on you. Teach them to be like their father in heaven. Go to work and get stuff done. Run after things that matter. And while I'm at it, the reality is it brings a great sense of accomplishment. Of what? When God got done creating, he said, oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. I mean, he looked at all he did, and he said, man, that's good work. <laughs> Out of curiosity, how many guys like to do their lawn? Everybody doesn't, but how many guys? You love your lawn more, you love lawn more. You just, how many love to cut their lawn? Hands back up. I just want to see across the room. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of us. You know why? Because when you get done, you say, man, that looks good. <laughs> you love to do your landscape. You get that pressure washer out. Man, when you get done, you stand back. <sighs> Check it out, man. That's good. When you fix an engine, when you, when you, when you solve a problem, when, when you get done with a project, whether it's at home or at work or in the kingdom of God in his church, when you get done, you look at him, oh man, that's good. It's a great sense of accomplishment. But to get that, because it's valuable and you want to teach your kids to appreciate and enjoy the gift that goes with it, the gift of work, the gift of accomplishment. But, but, but then, then there has to be this sense of, you know what, I was created for that. I'm going to be a person that gets stuff done. Teach your kids that value. So I want to tell you a story. It's a fun story. I love this story. Many years ago, a couple friends of mine and I were on our motorcycle trip up the Blue Ridge Parkway and back. And when we do, we have some traditions now. We've done it long enough. And one of them is to stop at the Six Pence Pub. Because when we stop at that pub, we get pub fries. Love me some pub fries. I mean, 
I'll just be honest with you, we're emotionally attached. Because when you create a little tradition in life, you just start leaning into it. And we couldn't wait till we get to the, to the sixpence pub because we're going to have pub fries. They're potatoes sliced, cooked to perfection, seasoned, dripping in ketchup. No value, all carbs. It's fantastic. So we're dreaming about thinking about it. We get to the, to the pub and, and, and we show up. We're like, oh, sit down. And, and the waitress comes. Can I get something to drink? Yes. And, and I say, look, and we don't, even, we don't even need menu anything. We already know what we want. She says, well, before you start, let me just tell you this couple things we're out of. I said, don't worry about it. We don't want anything major. We ate late lunch. We're only here for the pub fries. Oh, she says, I'm sorry. Those are one of the two things we're out of. How can, you be, how can you be out of pub fries? It's just a potato. <laughs> this isn't complicated. You don't have a fryer. You don't have oil. You can't heat it up. What do you mean you're out of pub fries? I said, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. I said, no, you don't understand. And I gave her the whole story. We travel hundreds of miles. We've been doing this for years. We got to have pub fries. So I'm so sorry. I said, you can be sorry, but I still want me some pup fries. <laughs> so I got a little conversation with Michelle. Michelle, what do you, what do you, is this what you do? Or do you, are you, you, you young? Are you in college? Oh, no, I'm in college. I'm working my way through college. So good for you. What are you studying? Business. <laughs> I said, now, wait a minute. Time out, Michelle. You're spending tens of thousands of dollars over four years to get a degree in business. Yeah. Michelle, this is business. Right now, this moment is your moment in time. I don't know what you're learning, but right now could be your moment of education. Better than the four years, apparently, that you're in. Because this is business. Business is I have a customer. And here's what I'm afraid of, Michelle. I'm afraid you see this as a $5 tip moment. All they want is pub fries and drinks. That's not what I was thinking, Michelle. What I was thinking is that this was a $100 tip moment for you. Are you serious? I said, oh, yeah. She, she took it. She hugged it. I said, but that's not yours. I laid it on the table, but it will be if I have pub fries in 45 minutes. <laughs> True story. And I put 45 minutes on the clock and hit the button and it started down. But, but, but I can't do anything. I don't know, I, we don't have any. What can I do? I said, Michelle, welcome to business. <laughs> you have an opportunity. You have a willing customer. You have capital on the line. What are pub fries? Potatoes! Yes, they are, Michelle. I don't have any potatoes! Phone a friend. Because, Michelle, in 45 minutes, you can't get to Idaho and back. But they have these places called grocery stores. And they sell potatoes. But I'm working, so phone a friend, dear, and send your friend to get some potatoes. 
and get him back here and fix some pub fries. And it clicked. It's like her brain went, oh, I know what to do. And she took off. I never saw her again. We didn't see her again for 44 minutes and 29 seconds, at which point she laid pub fries on the table. And I said, good for you. Well done. Well done. She was so proud of her accomplishment. I mean, she had this like, look what I did. It's like she just won gold medal in the Olympics. I said, tell me your story. And so I figured, I think as soon as it clicked, and I went in the back room and I told two friends, I need your help. I'm going to pay each of you $10 to cover my tables. She said, I'm in business. She said, then I ran to the store myself. I said, do it yourself? Yes, because I have lazy friends, and if I'd called one of them, I never would have got the potatoes. So some things you got to do for yourself. And I went and got the potatoes. I brought it back and asked the, the cook to help me. He said, I'm too busy. I can't. I don't need your help. I peeled them all myself. I sliced them by hand. For the first time in my life, I used a fryer, but I figured out how to use it, how to season them. And you now have, boom, pub fries. And I said, and you now, boom, have 100 bucks. Good for you, sweetie. Well done. Job well done. Isn't that a fun story? Hey, there's a principle in this. You ought to write it down. Here's the principle. It's not easy, but it is within reach. It's not easy, but it is within reach. A whole bunch of stuff in life is not easy, but it is within reach. It's not easy, but it is within reach, so get her done. Get her done. I've always wanted a reason to say that. I still don't have one, but I just did. So why don't you say that to your neighbor? Get her done. Do it a couple times if you want to feel good about it. Get her done. Dads, we got to raise kids who know how to get her done. Run after. Can I tell you something? That moment for her was more valuable than four years of college. Because if you can read about it, but you can't do it, you don't know business. That's just a fact. And by the way, if you read the Bible, but you don't do it. Well... See, a whole bunch of us are at risk of Michelle's moment. She was settling for a $5 tip because she had $5 work habits. What are you settling for? What are you letting your kids settle for? I mean, we were created for work. Get stuff done. You do life on the run. You were created for that. Some of us are settling for $5 marriages and $5 faith. And God help us to run after things worthwhile. Listen, maybe from this conversation, you need to rethink what you run after. Dads raise kids that run after things worthwhile and know how to run after them including how to run after God. Look what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs. One wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a, for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. But you are after one that's gold eternally. So run after things that are worthwhile. 
but you're going to need another gear, right? I mean, we can't just stop right there. You, gotta, you, you need another gear. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't, listen, you can't do life on the run all the time and have a healthy family. You cannot. This will destroy your family. If you only have one gear, you need to know how to slow down to the speed of love. The speed of what, everybody? Love. You got to have a gear that you have, you have to downshift. See, we were created to walk. We were created to slow down for relationships. It's interesting that in Genesis, it says uh, in, the, in, in the creation that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, did God physically, literally walk with them? I don't know. It might have been a theophany. We don't know what it literally, what it means is this, so I, I can get this out of it. God slowed down to the speed of his kids. And our families need us to have the gear that slows down to a walk. That's where you emotionally engage. See, the majority of relationships must be done at a walk, not a run. And our kids need relationship. My primary role is not just providing financially. That's not the sole definition of providing. I pour in emotionally. I have to get to their level and connect with them, which means I have to disengage. I've talked about this before. I'll talk about it again. I, I, I'm, I'm built for run, and I'm, I get sucked into work, and I, when I get home, I have got to disengage. So one of the rules I put upon myself is I, I can't be doing work calls at home. So one of the, the, the statements to number four child, Jaden, the uh, last one that's in the home that we're raising, and, and Jaden, you get, you get five bucks if you catch me on a business call at home, because by the time I get home, I'm done with business. So he doesn't show up my, my, my office and interrupt my business, and, and I don't bring all my business home. So I'm like, if you can catch me on the phone, you get five bucks. Uh, I think I've told this story before, but, but one time, Jason, one of the pastors here, uh, he was on the phone with me, and I, I shouldn't have been on the phone because my day off, and I was picking Jaden up after school, and it's going to be Daddy Jaden time. And I was on the phone with him. I'm like, uh, Jason, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. Jaden's coming to the car. I got to go, Jason. He's like, dude, just one more thing. Tomorrow's my day off. We got to get through this quickly. It'll just take me a second. No, seriously, Jason, I got to hang up. I got to hang up the phone. And I'm, what I'm really doing is trying to save myself five bucks. He hangs on, Jaden opens the car door, gets in, and Jason says, hello, is this Jaden? Because it was on the, uh, the, the, the Bluetooth. And Jaden says, yeah. He says, yeah, this is Jason. I just made you five bucks. Thanks. Goodbye. And he hung up. <laughs> jerk. What a jerk. More recently, Jaden, you probably remember this. I was with the family, and I slipped up to go to the restroom. And so then I went in my bedroom, shut the door, went in the bathroom, shut the door, and then went in my closet, shut the door, and then made a business phone call in the corner of my, I know, in the corner of my closet. I'm like, I gotta just get this done. I don't know what is on Jaden's mind, but he comes looking for me. You don't just walk in my room. You know that we've got rules. He walks in the room. He walks in the bathroom. He opens up the closet door. Dad, what are you doing? Is that a business phone call? Five bucks. I'm like, jerk. What are you, and I, I want to get all mad at him. What are you doing in my closet? I got my issues, you got yours. You got to disengage. Why? Because, because 
you have to figure out what matters to them. You got to get down to their level. You got to emotionally connect to the heart. You got to care enough to know what's going on in their life. I mean, I got to know what, what's he, what, 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 what video games is he playing? And I, I, I got to know what he's playing. I got to, I got to care about what he cares about. I got to know his world. I got to know his friends. I got to know who he's engaged. I got to know things he's thinking about. He's listening to. I mean, I got to be in his world and emotionally engaged. I got to slow down to his world. Probably the best illustration I saw of this is recently. Maybe you've seen it. This dad, it's had over 32 million hits. It's gone viral. It's a dad with his two-year-old daughter at her dance recital. Yeah, when this daughter, oh my goodness, clearly had been trained at home with her dad in dancing, and when she got to her recital, she fell apart. Stage fright, whatever. She gets on the stage, she falls to pieces, collapses, she's crying, you can hear her crying above all the other music. And instead of dad being embarrassed, Dad gets on stage and dances with her. It is so beautiful. So I want you to see about 90 seconds of it. She is the two-year-old, the first one on your left as you watch it, the first one out with the teacher. You'll watch her drop, you'll listen to her cry, and you'll watch Dad do his thing. This is spectacular. Check it out. She just wants to say, well done, Dad. That's what we mean. You, you, you have to slow down to come alongside your kids and emotionally engage them at their level, what matters to them. But not on Father's Day, you don't. Because <laughs> on Father's Day, it's all about us. So you listen, this is when it reverses. Kids, if you're in the room like my kids are, it's all about dads. Yeah? which means you gotta figure out what we care about. In other words, today Jaden knows it's foot rub day. That's right, the little doggies are gonna get taken care of today. It's all about dads. In fact, right now we should have all the dads stand. Let's just in the room, all the dads stand up. Would you celebrate and thank your dad? All the dads in the room, come on, let's give it up. Dads, your day, all about us, woo! Yay for the dads, woo! And you know, it seems to me, uh, Jeeves, 
Are we taking care of our dad right here? Would you come down here? You know what? I don't know all that, that dad wants, but I, maybe, maybe he wants some chocolate chip cookies from perhaps Chick-fil-A to demonstrate we thought of you ahead of time because they're closed right now, but we got them for you yesterday. And by the way, you don't know what to buy your dad. They're hard to buy for. So we have in there a $50 Visa gift card just for you to buy whatever you want. See, that's taking care of dad, okay? That, that's what we mean. Now, what we know is that by tomorrow, Jeeves goes away. <laughs> and it's all over. And dads, we go back to, it's all about everybody else but us. <laughs> and then we practice. The speed of life, the speed of love, and then the speed of learn. The speed of what? Learn. Say it with me. The speed of what? Learn. Let's talk about it. See, we were created to sit, think, and learn. We really were. By God's design. To be rooted in the truth. That we would slow down enough to transfer truth into our kids and teach them how to think because their life depends on it. I've always been captivated by the story of King David who for 40 years was a king and then transferred leadership to his son Solomon. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 11, the length of David's reign over Israel was 40 years. Then his son Solomon sat on the throne of his father David. Sat. He what? Sat on the throne of his father David. And his kingdom was firmly established. First David sat on the throne, but he was aware that there would be a generation after him. He wasn't just leading in his time. He was setting up leading after his time. He led with that kind of foresight and wisdom and had to root his son in the truth and in wisdom. What's interesting from that passage is later you read about the life of Solomon. And in chapter four of Proverbs, Solomon wrote about his dad, David. But he wrote this way. Listen, my sons, to a father, now Solomon in the father role, listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. For I too was a son to my father, David, still tender and cherished by my mother. And he, my father David, taught me, get wisdom, get wisdom, for it is your life. In other words, get the truth, get the truth rooted in your soul, for the whole of your life depends on it. The summary of the thought is this. Before Solomon sat on his father's throne as a man, he sat at his father's feet as a boy. Dads, you got to slow down long enough and often enough to have them sit at your feet, so to speak, and root their lives in truth. It's on you. It's on us. Don't make it more complicated than it is. The goal is to root your kids in the truth. Teach them how to think. When? Whenever you're sitting with them. Sometimes it's as simple as in the car. You're just sitting in the car and you're driving to sports practice, ball practice. You're taking them to school. You're taking them to an event. Maybe it's just sitting down over dinner at home 
or at a restaurant. Maybe it's those moments where you sit down and have to process a problem or a situation or a decision. Maybe it's those times every week or two when you sit down and you have an intentional moment, a Bible study and prayer and conversation. But you are intentionally sitting with them and transferring truth because their life depends on it. And what are you transferring? Let me give you some examples. I put these in your notes. Check it out. Here's one in your notes. Your worldview shapes everything. Your actions and reactions. See, one of the things I'm teaching, one of the things I need to transfer my kids is that your worldview shapes everything. Your actions and reactions. In other words, teach your kids the 10 core questions. See, over the life of my kids, from the time they're in elementary, I'm trying to resolve 10 core questions. While they're in their teen years, and when they get into college, and I want to send them off in their adult life, having the understanding of the 10 core questions in life. By the way, do you know what those 10 core questions are? I'll put them on the screen. These are God's big picture for a bigger life, and how you answer these questions. In other words, I don't want to teach them how to memorize the 10 questions alone. I want them to understand the answers. I want them to know God's wisdom in the answers to these questions, because this defines the whole of their life. Every decision they make is rooted in how you answer these 10 questions. The first of the 10 is this, is life an accident or am I here on purpose? That is the leading question of life. And culture has an answer and God has an answer. We just read in creation, God created all things. We're created on purpose by a living God in his image. We have a heavenly father and we have a purpose on earth. And I'm telling you how you answer that question will define your life. And all the dominoes of decisions in life are based on that in a world that says you have no heavenly father. There is no God. You're here by accident and you have no purpose in life. And I'm telling you how you answer that will define the whole of life. And your role as a dad is to help them know and answer that question. There's a second of the 10. Why do bad things happen to good people? In other words, we live in a world with all kinds of good and right, but equally there's bad and wrong. And everybody has to answer that question. Everybody's asking that in a different way. See, many people are saying there's no God because of the bad and wrong, when many other people are saying there has to be a God. There's too much that's good and right. How do you answer that? By the way, are you aware that those 10 questions are answered by God in the Bible in the order of the questions? That the first thing God answers is the first one. Am I here on accident or on purpose? It's the first question God answers in the Bible. The second question God answers is, why do bad things happen to good people? That's the fall in the garden and what follows. The next question God answers is, can I really trust God? That's the story of Abraham and what follows because you're gonna trust yourself, trust the culture, or trust God. And by the way, when you trust yourself and culture, you're trusting Satan and people don't even believe that. They don't even know what's undoing their life. The world does not comprehend what's actually going on. That we come from God, we'll return to the dust, if you will. We're created eternally. And who and what you trust defines your life. The next question scripture answers is, why can't I make my own rules? Welcome to the story of Moses and the nation of Israel. Next question, why can't God just accept me the way I am? That's the story of the tabernacle and what follows. See, the scripture is answering these questions. It goes on to the next six questions. And in that, God unpacks an understanding, a worldview. Isn't only one way to God narrow-minded? Yes, because Jesus said, I am the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. You can't follow Jesus and think there's a ton of other ways to God or you're not a Christian. How do you call yourself a Christian? But if you don't understand it, you don't have a real truthful answers. If you don't understand that Jesus said it is narrow, well, why is it narrow? Well, the good news is Jesus made a way. It's narrow for a reason. But if you don't understand the question and the answer, then in this world you're going to say, well, that's you narrow-minded. Listen, God's not narrow-minded. God's the only one who made a way. He loved you that much. That's why what does it mean to be forgiven is a powerful question. It's life-transforming. 
Why don't Christians look different from everybody else? Are all Christians hypocrites? I mean, all kinds of questions about that. And what does it mean for us to be transformed by him? Who needs the church? The church is getting a pretty bad rap these days. Some of it's been earned, not all of it. Even Christians, oh, I don't need the church. You do understand that the Jesus who died for you is the head of the church. When you dismiss the church, you dismiss him. Well, do you understand the context of that conversation? Because you've got to help your kids. Are heaven and hell real? By the way, the Bible answers all those questions in order in the flow of the Bible. Those 10 questions are the foundation. Those 10 questions are the chapters of the book I just wrote, turned in manuscript. It'll be published January 29th, 2019 because church, we as a people and this culture needs answers to the real questions. And my point is when my kids are in elementary, they need to understand those questions and answers, but then they need to hear it differently when they're in high school and, and, and teen level. But then I help them understand it at college level so that when they walk out to adulthood, they have an adult faith equal to the adult life. You know what's broke for most of us? We learned answers to those questions when we were in elementary school and we didn't develop the answers. We just went on to teen years, college, and adult life and we have adult questions with childish answers. No wonder we dismiss faith. But there are real answers if you would develop them equal to the maturity and the progression of life. We're gonna go get in this conversation next January. We're gonna look at small group material and how to bring it alongside. We're gonna write materials for your kids and how you bring this to life for your kids and put it in the children children's ministry and develop it deeply and our student ministry. We got to get a hold of this because listen, your worldview forms everything in your life. That's an example. Here's another example. It's in your teaching notes. You see it right there. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. Huh? I mean, it's like, well, what are you trying to pour in life for your kids when you sit and talk? That right there. What you feed grows and what you starve dies. In other words, I got to teach my kids how you grow something in their life. Listen, most, listen, most people don't know how to change for good. Most people just speak things. Oh, I want to be this. But if you, if you want good thinking and good living, you're going to have to feed good things into your life. If you want to get rid of bad thinking and bad habits, you're going to have to starve those things in your life. Most of us talk about a life we never get because we say, I want to become this, but we keep feeding the wrong things. I want this to die in my life, but we keep feeding it privately. And so nothing ever really changes. Because we don't understand that what you want to grow must be fed. In fact, what you feed is what grows. Let me illustrate more particularly. I wrote this down. I can't change my fitness unless I feed on healthy foods and work out while I starve desserts and the couch potato lifestyle. I hate it. It's just true. Here's another one. I can't grow in purity yet feed on secret pornography. I can't. I can't say, I, mean, I want to be a pure before God as a person and I want to grow in righteousness and then have private habits that undo purity. By the way, there are some wonderful 12-stone, there's a wonderful 12-stone couple who are providing major breakthroughs in this arena. In fact, I put it at the bottom of your notes, bottom of your bulletin, look. It says, learn how to find lasting freedom from habitual sexual sin and true healing from spouse betrayal and trauma, breakingfreesummit.com. I put that in there because maybe you need to check that out to help your own kids or maybe breakthrough in your own life. All kinds of people battling with this and they're doing a 10-day thing during Father's Day. Go check it out. What about your faith? 
See, one of the reasons we're doing 12 Stone Summer is because here's what we know. By the end of July, many people are spiritually starved and less because you didn't feed your faith. And we went after 12 Stone Summer because we know if you don't feed your faith, you won't grow. See, we want to hit the end of summer and walking into the school year having grown, not having lost traction. See, the challenge, dads, is, is, is to lead out of the three speeds that form healthy family. Even, even when you're over here on vacation. Even when you're out here and you're saying, oh, look what I get to do. Oh, I'm going to get in the sun and the fun. I don't hope what you do, you look out and you're just amazed at God's creation. From the ocean, to the sun, to the sky, to the family, to the friends. To all his goodness. And then you think, you know what? There are different speeds in life. And maybe this summer, you begin to rethink and recalibrate how you live. In fact, as I turn the service over to the campus pastors, ask yourself, which speed do I do well? Huh? Which speed do you do well? Speed of life, speed of love, speed of learn. And which speed needs attention? So let me pray with you. Bow your heads. Father, this lesson is for all of us. Not, not a one of us can escape the encouragement and the wisdom that comes with your word. And we wouldn't want to. Right now, God, I want to pray for, for dads who the thing you pressed in on them is take your definition of manhood from God's word, not this world. And God, God right, right now, because early on you stirred it in us right now, some men just have to say, I, God, I, I, need to, I need to embrace living up to your calling. And I want to. Would you help us, oh God? Maybe all of us, but particularly dads, have, have a sense of this, um, wow, this is what I do well. And we give you thanks, God. I mean, if ours is, is the speed of life, we do that really well on the run. Or, or, or maybe it's the speed of, of love and relationship, and we know how to walk alongside, and, and we do that well. well. Only you've made that possible. Or maybe it's the speed of, of learn, and we just we know how to sit and, and engage thought and get rooted. And God, whatever that is that we're doing well, you're helping us. You guide us. You gave us strength. You gave us the capacity. You've grown us into it. Thank you, Lord. That's encouraging. We get to celebrate that and say, wow, God, that served me well. Thanks for your wisdom. Thanks for your understanding. It roots and plants and establishes my life. It brings strength to my family. Grateful to you, God. And then equally, maybe all of us are going to have a little prayer. Maybe you would offer up to God right now, whomever you are, particularly dads, but really all of us, God, our prayer to you to say, I, I need to give attention to this one. Maybe right now, just a bunch of prayers are, are going up to you to say, God, would you help me in this? Some are saying, help me with the speed of life. I give a whole lot of excuses because I just say I don't have any potatoes. And I've been excusing myself. Some of us, God, it's the speed of love and we just aren't disengaging to engage like what matters to our kids and family. Help us slow down. And that's the one we're saying, oh God, would, would you help me change this summer? Would you help form a new habit in me? Maybe it's the speed of learn, and we've delegated 
pouring into our kids and relegated it to everybody else but us as if we took ourselves off the hook and our voice doesn't matter in the life of our kids. Maybe today, God, we accept the invitation and we say, God, teach me all the more how to impress upon my kids. I think this year, God, over the next 12 months, you're gonna transform us as a church in this whole 10 questions, worldview and how to transfer it. But, but it, some of that begins right now, God. So set this into our lives. God, we give you thanks for the privilege of being dad. It's one of the coolest things in the world. But we do so after you, our heavenly father. So we tell you, thank you and happy Father's Day. We love you. Would you just whisper that to him under your breath? If you love him, just say we love you. Because we're here to love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. No one loves us like you love us. Thanks for being an awesome father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying, amen.